be seated as we walk through Psalm 18 together. I love you, O Lord, my strength. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Lord be Scripture readings this morning, and thank you, Noah, for reading the first two. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found in the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 4 through 18. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment? and thick darkness, its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you all know this. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 17. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. And from Matthew's gospel in the 14th chapter. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Well, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for gathering us into your house to hear your word, receive your gifts. We pray that in this time of rest, which you give us so regularly, uh, that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds. Let us rest in the promise of life, which you have given us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. As a kid, did you ever sit at the bottom of a pool and look up? I see some head noddings, some heads nodding, however that works out. It's an amazing view because it's different than our regular view. In our regular view, we get to see things pretty clearly and we can breathe and all that sort of stuff. And you go down to the bottom of a pool and the sounds change and the sights change. And depending upon how long you've practiced your breathing, you might be able to stay down there 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. Navy SEALs can go like three, four. It's pretty amazing. But that view from underwater is just an amazing one as all of the setting of things of the regular life disappear and a new set of visual things happen and a new set of sounds happen. And at the bottom of a pool, though, it's still pretty controlled. You can see the walls, you can feel the ground, 
You know that there's a shallow end. You know there's a deep end depending upon where you're sitting. And you still have a lot of control in that setting. I remember the first time I was working through scuba diving and we used a pool as our first kind of controlled swim and how to do stuff and got all the gear on and I didn't have to hold anything to hold me down or let go of any air to be able to sink better because everything was balanced right and I jump in the water and I'm sitting down there and I think it was a good 40 seconds went by before I remembered that I could breathe I had a tank on my back I could actually take a breath in that first moment of sitting underwater and going whoa I could sit down here forever this is neat right But that view from underwater is an amazing one. We then transitioned into the ocean, and that was an amazing sight too because you could see on the top of the water the mess of seaweed and kelp. But as soon as you dropped underwater, it was a beautiful, flowing forest that had so much order and structure and rhythm to it. It was really amazing with that view. And surfing a view underwater is also pretty amazing. You ever seen a shot like that? Love those shots. We know what surfers look like from our view sitting on the beach. But that moment you go underwater and you get to see what a wave looks like from underwater and you get to see the silhouette of the person, you don't really get to see a lot of the details. You can just kind of tell they're there. But all of a sudden things are backwards, opposite from what we're used to seeing. And that view from underwater is an amazing one. When the account of Matthew's gospel today, you heard all this stuff going on. There had just finished where Jesus was feeding the 5,000. And after that, he saw this drive in the people to gather him together and take him to Jerusalem as king. And so he sent everybody away. and He sent the disciples away. And he goes off by himself up a mountain to pray. It's always amazing to watch in Matthew's gospel what happens after Jesus separates himself to pray. Really big things happen. And so disciples head off. They're staying on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. They are started on the east end. They're going over to the west end. It's maybe about a seven-mile journey or so. It's not really that far of a journey. And they leave in the beginning of the evening. Okay, And you heard that little time frame thing in the fourth watch of the night all right fourth watch of the night is between 3 a.m and 6 a.m i don't know how many of you have been awake during the fourth watch of the night if you didn't go to sleep the night before you should have and if you are awake during that time you get up a lot earlier than i do more often than not but that fourth watch think about that that's a three-hour time frame there's already been nine hours six to nine hours that they've been on the water and they've made it in some of the translations when you read about three miles, halfway, sitting out in the middle of a dark, stormy lake, fighting all night against the wind that was directly at them. Have you ever sailed in wind that's coming directly at you, wind that's against you? It doesn't work real well. If you're trying to go that way and the wind's coming this way, you've got to tack, you've got to move, you've got to do all that kind of stuff, or ditch the sails and go for the oars. And that likely may have been what they were trying to do, to fight against this wind and go while the ship is being beaten by the waves. And then this beautiful moment. Jesus came walking out on the water to them. 
And I've always wondered what that felt like. In this past Friday, I had a brief memory of what that feels like or a brief instance of what that feels like. I got to go up and go surfing with my little brother. And I tend to ride a longer board. And one of the fun things about a longer board is that you can walk on that board. And so you're on top of the water and walking, and that's one instance. But the next one starts to look like that. There's no board in front of you anymore. There's just water. And it is an amazing feel because there's nothing. I mean, you can feel stuff moving, and there's the things you have to adjust to and that sort of thing. But it's a brief moment of just wondering if that's what it was like. For Jesus to be able to actually stand and walk on the water in the midst of storms and things going on, but to have that peaceful moment where the Creator is in the midst of His creation, able to just stand there without worry or fear. And for about as long as you've been watching that picture, about half that long is how long I lasted in that spot before the water caught up to me and I was down underwater again. It happens quick. So you can imagine the oddity for the disciples standing in the boat. And again, this isn't a parable. This isn't a made-up story of something to teach a point. This is just what happened. This is what Matthew, Mark, Luke, well, John, James, you know, all those guys saw. This is what Peter experienced as they're there and they're fighting through the night as they have been fighting through this dark, challenging time, as many of you have probably fought through dark, challenging times, trying to figure out how you're going to make it through. And in that moment, Jesus comes walking by, and it's only then that they got scared. See, they'd probably dealt with the storms before. It's pretty common on that sea, actually, to have storms whip up. They probably didn't want it, but it's what was there in the middle of things going on. But it was the moment they saw Jesus standing where they wouldn't expect him to stand, that they got afraid, terrified even. Have you seen Jesus show up in places where you didn't expect him? More often than not, we don't get terrified, we get relieved. So we have a different understanding of Jesus than even Peter and the disciples did. And as much as we usually hear this account highlighting Peter's faith, I have no doubt that's there. It's just harder to see, because what's his first question? If it's you, prove it. Sounds a little bit like Satan's temptations in the desert, doesn't it? If you are the Son of God, make these stones bread. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. The angels are going to protect you. And if only you would worship me, I'll give you everything. Peter, in the moment of his fear and his uncertainty of everything that's going on, says, if that's really you, Jesus, because I think you're a ghost, because nobody walks on water, would you prove it to me? And I love how Jesus calls his bluff. Isn't that beautiful? He says, sure, you got it. Come on out here. And I can just imagine the smile on his face as he stands there where it's kind of calm, probably mellowed out some of the waves so Peter could walk out to him. And just standing there for a second going, I know how this is going to go, but let's watch Peter. Right? Because I have a feeling it probably ended up more like this. 
probably pretty certain that's where it was, right? Because that's where we end up a lot of times when we try to bring Jesus into the mix of things on our terms, and we find ourselves in the midst of something that's overwhelming and just a mess, and we figure out that we aren't in control anymore, and all of a sudden we figure out there's nothing underneath us. We thought we had it under control and thought we were doing things the way it needed to be done and thought that we were racing right along and being able to control everything in that scenario, maybe even inviting Jesus into it to come along for the ride, right? And then all of a sudden we look back and we say, whoa, whoa, hold on, there's no ground underneath us anymore. And Peter, as he's standing there looking at Jesus for a bit, then starts to realize what he's actually asked to happen. He called out to Jesus and said, would you make me do something impossible? Jesus said, yep, sure will. Here's the impossible task that I'm asking of you. Peter soon realized he's not built for it. Our eyes get focused on so many things outside of Christ so often, and it's so easy. It's so easy to see the situations around us in a broken world. I mean, how many times have we felt like we're underwater? Because as beautiful as that first underwater picture was where you're looking at that wave come through and someone riding along and the beauty of the reef underneath, more often than not, underwater looks like this. Turbulent, uncertain about where up and down is, a lot darker than we expect it to be. And imagine in the fourth watch of the night how dark that water would be without knowing where the bottom is, where the deep end is, where the shallow end is, knowing that there's only mystery down there, and it's tough to tell what's going on when the waves come in and mess things up. It's tough to tell what's going on when you can't tell up from down. It's tough to tell what's going on when it's dark and you're getting pushed around. That's what unpayable bills feels like. It's what medical bills feel like. It's what broken relationships feel like what being fired from a job feels like. It's what a medical declaration and diagnosis feels like. It's what anger and hurt and resentment feels like. It's what all of those things that separate us from one another and separate us from God feels like. It feels like we're down in the dark of the mystery of the uncontrollable being tossed. And man, those things are hard to take our eyes off of because they hit so hard. And I know each and every one of you has been in a spot like that. Whether it was a consequence of your own decision in the midst of something or it was somebody else's action that broke everything apart for you, no matter what it was, living this side of Christ's return, we live in a broken world where things get messed up and it's ugly. It just is. There's beautiful moments, glimpses of things where we get to see Christ's light in the middle of the darkness. Because he's present, even for Peter, when he's looking at the waves and turbulence around him, Jesus is still present. Jesus is right there. In fact, he had never left the disciples at all. And as Peter finds himself underwater like we all do, looking up at Jesus' feet, all of a sudden, we make a cry, Lord, save me, right? Now imagine not having that Lord to cry out to. Imagine not having that God there that believes, not just believes in you, that has saved you, that has dragged you out of all of the things that separate you from him. And even by experiences, we still see our sinfulness. We know of his declaration of 
our justification. We know that he has made things right for us in Jesus. We know that he calls us his very own children. We know that he calls us forgiven and beloved. And to be able to cry out to that Lord, Lord, save me. I realize where I put myself. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it. I'm stuck. Save me. I don't know if you can quite see it. You should be able to. You see a little smile on his face? Isn't that beautiful? A joy in the midst of something going on that seems so tragic where death is imminent and he's smiling, reaching down to grab you. It's exactly what he's done. In your baptism, you're buried in sins in the baptism and he lifts you up out of those waters. He says, here's life. I'm right here. Always have been, always will be. Not letting go of you at all. I know the world looks turbulent around you. I know you can't tell up from down more often than not. And I know once the head gets underwater, you can't breathe at all. But I'm not letting go of you. I'm right here with you. And I've got you. That's his promise to his people. That's his promise to his church. That's his promise and his resurrection. And that's the promise that's handed over to you. That's the promise that Paul was asking, how are they going to hear it unless somebody preaches it? How are they going to preach it unless they're sent? But that's the promise of the message of Christ, the good news of the gospel, that in the midst of the dark and turbulent things, of everything that's going on, Jesus is absolutely present. He's not far off. He's not a long ways away. He's not somewhere where he's not in control of things. He is absolutely creator and man, all in one standing there in control of all of creation for you, to hold on to you, to lift you up, to walk with you. That's what the disciples in the boat saw that night. Peter, as brash as he was, testing Jesus, finding himself out of his control, Jesus grabbing a hold of him, both of them getting back into the boat, and the one declaration, truly, this is the Son of God. And Son of God for you. Amen. Let's pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, when we find ourselves underwater, focus our eyes back on your Son, Jesus, that we would know of his presence. Sometimes we look in all directions except for at him, and we pray that by your Spirit, continue to guard our hearts, guard our eyes, and, and keep us focused on Christ knowing that even through the darkest and most turbulent times of our life, that he won't let go of us, and that life reigns, because Jesus reigns over all creation, over all the things that would separate us from you, over all those things he continues to hold on to us. And in his precious name we pray, amen. I invite you to rise as we sing.